I'm Pastor Daniel Morris, and you're listening to Sharing the Bread of Life, a podcast by St. Timothy's Lutheran Church in Skokie, Illinois. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular subscriber, I pray that Christ feeds you from the stories and testimony you'll hear today. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. May the Lord fill you with every good thing, and may you have enough left over to share. A reading from 1 Corinthians. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the physical, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as is man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. We do not live by bread alone, but But by by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The headlines in the news have left me very discouraged lately. It seems like every day, There is a new scandal that comes to light, or a new crisis brewing. I feel the weight of these events pressing down on me as I consider their significance for the life of our nation and the life of the church. I find myself feeling frustration and despair more often than I feel hope. It's enough to make me want to cancel my newspaper subscription, stop looking at Facebook, and turn off the TV altogether. I wonder, how can we dare to proclaim good news in a world where there is so much bad news? The kingdom of peace, cooperation, and love that I long for seems so far away. We long for a future that is better than today or than yesterday. We long for something beyond this fleshy and sinful existence. The Sesame Street monsters express this longing musically in their closing credits. Come on and move your body and use your mind, because you know you are growing all the time. You're growing smarter, stronger, kinder on Sesame Street. Such words teach our kids that we are evolving towards a kinder, 
more enlightened, more tolerant society, despite the headlines. Those of us who are more pessimistic about humanity's ability to pull itself up by the bootstraps look for hope beyond this life and this mortal world. Songs like Mercy Me's, I Can Only Imagine, shape our expectations for a joy-filled, pain-free existence. I can only imagine when that day comes and I find myself standing in the sun. I can only imagine when all I would do is forever, forever worship you. Such words capture our hope of escape from this flesh and this world to a happily ever after life. Even St. Paul in our reading from last week expressed his longing for something beyond this fleshy and sinful existence of this world. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied, he said. If this world is all there is, we are in trouble. Prophets and journalists remind us of this trouble every day. They point to the weakness of human flesh in a continual effort to inform and to inspire change. At their best, they hold our communities publicly accountable for the common good. They keep us honest about our sinful condition, and they draw our attention to the unseen victims of our sin-weakened flesh. Yet we also often feel burdened by their witness, despairing of our own ability to bring about true and lasting change. Perhaps the Christians in Corinth had such a negative image of the body because they were painfully aware of the flesh's weakness. They longed to be set free from their mortal bodies to enjoy a life of perfect happiness. It would not be a stretch of the imagination to say that they were scandalized by Paul's proclamation of a bodily resurrection. Paul anticipates their disgusted skepticism. Someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Will they still feel pain and will they still be able to enjoy pleasure? What age will they be? What shape and what size? Will they be made up of the crude flesh that hangs around our necks? Or will they be magnificent and splendid like the stars in the heavens? Paul chastises them, suggesting that only fools wonder about such things. Our resurrected bodies are ultimately in God's own hands. For God gives the dead a body as God has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. What we do know is that the resurrection of the dead is certain, because as Paul argued last week, Christ himself was raised from the dead. For if the dead are not raised, Paul said, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Christ has been raised, 
and we also shall be raised. The resurrection of the dead is our future. We will be raised in the image of the resurrected Christ. Our resurrected bodies will be as different from what we are now as the plant is from the seed. Paul illustrates this point by comparing Christ, the man of heaven, with Adam, the man of dust. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Whereas Adam was taken from the earth, Christ descended to the earth. Whereas Adam returns to dust, Christ returns from dust. Whereas Adam simply possesses life, Christ gives life. The first Adam is captive to sin and driven by self-preservation. The last Adam is captive to the Spirit of God and is driven by self-abandonment to God's will. The resurrected Christ is humanity's future. For why else would Paul call him the last Adam? From our perspective, The Christ event happened a long time ago. It belongs to history. But if he is the last Adam raised from the dead in the middle of our history, then he has become a sign, a symbol of our future with God. Christ is the destiny of all humanity and with humanity, all creation. We are destined for resurrection to eternal life with God in our midst. Jesus' resurrection in the middle of our history means that the Christ event continues today. Even though flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor the perishable inherit the perishable, Christ's ongoing presence in our world gives us a foretaste of the life to come. Whatever dares us to hope in God, whatever serves the common good, whatever act of mercy creates the possibility of new life, that is where our future with God is breaking in today, where the imperishable becomes known in what is perishable. These leaks in the fabric of time become wellsprings of life in a desert world. The gardens that grow are filled with fruits of mercy, fruits which cannot help but create meaningful change wherever they fall. This is the good news we proclaim in a world that is stumbling under the weight of bad news every day. The resurrected Christ is the hope and the future of all humanity. We proclaim the resurrection wherever God is the source of our hope, burning brightly in the darkness. We proclaim the resurrection wherever God raises the dead and announce, wherever we announce the forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus. We proclaim the resurrection wherever we trust God for life in the face of judgment and death. Ultimately, the good news of Jesus Christ 
means taking God's promise of new life in Christ just as seriously as we take the bad news of our weakened flesh. No matter how painful life is, and no matter how hopeless things seem, we, as one humanity, are destined for resurrection to eternal life with God in our midst. Perhaps I need to spend as much time listening to God's promise of resurrection in Christ as I do listening to the voices of prophets and journalists. I need to hear God's promise daily, maybe even multiple times a day, in order to stay grounded in the hope that we have when I'm watching or reading the news. I need to hear God's promise daily in order to stay grounded in faith when looking at human weakness. Our Lord has not given us an exit strategy for escaping the flesh. He has joined us in our flesh so that we would have good news to share. Christ is our destiny. Christ is our future. The last Adam is the firstborn of a new creation. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Sharing the Bread of Life. For more information on the mission and ministries of St. Timothy's Lutheran Church, please visit our website at www.sttimothyskokie.org or like us on Facebook. Check back next week for a new episode. The blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and always.